Brick and Mortar Reporter, Episode 76. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we show you how to build your business brick by brick. Put on your hard hat and grab your tool belt because you are about to enter the construction zone. And now, here's your host, Christy Hostler. Hi there, localists. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. My name is Christy, and I'm your host for today. And first of all, I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, you've been coming along this journey with me, uh, frustrating, crazy uh, roller coaster ride of a journey to uh, quit my job and move to Key West. And so I appreciate you coming along for the ride. And I don't know if you're like me, if you um, are an employee, or if you're thinking about starting a business, or if you kind of always wondered what it would be like or could you do what I've done Um, I'm always reading things and I'm always trying to glean information and try to get uh, I don't want to say in the mindset of what a successful entrepreneur would be but I'm always trying to grow and trying to learn and by doing that I take in a lot of content and so one one of the things I wanted to share with you today and I wanted to talk to you today um, about is do you really have the entrepreneurial mindset? I will tell you that to run a successful business, it takes a lot more than mindset. It takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of persistence. It takes uh, it takes being able to push through the negative and, and continue going. But many people don't really know if they have what it takes. And no one's ever going to tell you that. Uh, you know, you can't just say, oh, you have what it takes or you don't have what it takes. You've got to examine yourself and find out, do you have the skills and do you have the mindset and do you have the intestinal fortitude to take on a challenge like entrepreneurship and make it successful? And so one of the things I had read the other day, and it was a, an article that talked about kind of the entrepreneurial mindset and how they looked, entrepreneurs look at eight different, uh, there was eight different things that they look at differently than many other people do. And so I wanted to talk to you about that this morning because it's, um, it's all hit very close to home for me lately. The first thing is that entrepreneurs are brave enough to commit to their dreams. Now, my dream was to quit my job and move to Key West to start my own business and work for myself and to be completely responsible for my own paychecks. Scary, scary, scary. I left a six-figure job and uh, great benefits, complete health benefits paid for, matching 401k dollar per dollar up to 7% of any of our deductions. I left a good situation as far as the company goes, but it increasingly got to where it wasn't so good for me. So... An entrepreneur is somebody that's okay with foregoing that regular job security and all those golden handcuffs that go with it to live in a little bit of an uncertain way or an insecure lifestyle. Now, if you already say, I can't do that, I can never do that, um, then probably entrepreneurial uh, endeavors are not on your radar. Now, if, if they are, you might have to do them in a much safer way. You might have to do a side hustle until it gets to replace your full-time income and then you can move from one to the other and that way you don't have um, you know a lot of the insert insecurity and uncertainty that many of us have another thing that entrepreneurs do different than other people do is that they think of their customers more than themselves many entrepreneurs start businesses 
because they're solving a problem and they're they're actually um, they are their avatar for their business and they provide a service and many of them are not even worried the money is not even the thing it's the customers and can can they provide something that's going to just make their customers go wow that's amazing so they're concerned about solving the problems they're concerned about the people that they're trying to help more than they are many times about what the benefit and the gain is for themselves and so one of the things that Guy Kawasaki said um, he was he was being quoted in an article and he said his quote was in your darkest most frustrated hours remember the value that you're trying to add to people's lives the satisfaction you'll feel or the cause that you'll further and so that's what happens is whenever you get all this this uh, actual logistics and other things that weigh you down in the pursuit of entrepreneurialism you have to go back to why did you start in the first place whose lives are you affecting whose lives are you adding value to and you keep focused on that and you keep doing what you do so they have more of a concern for their customers than they do themselves and you know what when you have a local business that's started by an owner that works in the business I tell you what they will guard their business and their relationship with their customers like a mama bear and uh, you know you cannot have employees come in and potentially jeopardize those relationships and so I love to see that being more concerned about your customers than your yourselves something that I just mentioned is the next thing never stop learning they, entrepreneurs never stop learning um, I think and it was it's funny because back in high school um, whenever my sister was giving her valedictory address she began and ended with a quote by Ben Franklin that says education begins and ends with life itself and I've always remembered that I don't think I'd ever heard that quote prior to her mentioning that but it's definitely true they never stop learning there's always something you can learn and sometimes it's the nuts and bolts it's how to update your website it's how to put a plug-in on your website it's how to do this that or the other how to do a, a um, lead page or something like that and and it's those type of tactical things and other times it's more mindset focused and it's more ph philosophical and um, when you're in the business of creating new experiences new products new um, things for for consumption it's a great thing never to stop learning because you can always learn something that can actually change the course of your business so uh, that's definitely remaining open and flexible and learning new things and even the curiosity that you have about new things I tell you what if I had to make a list of all the things that I'm interested in all the things that I would love to do I mean there's this whole list of things I would you know love to go and be an intern and just do an apprentice at this you know doing this job or that job or you know and there's just there's a list of about 50 different things that I would be just as happy doing and learning about because I have a natural curiosity and uh, I'm not one of those that you'll ever find reading a fiction book because there's too much real-life stuff for me to learn to waste my time reading fiction not not that that's a slam to anyone that reads fiction but I just don't have time for it in my own life Another thing that sets apart entrepreneurs from other people is the fact that they never give up. And you have seen that with me. I am just, I get you know down and defeated, and I get uh, bowled over by the you know obstacles and the the frustration. But I'm not getting, I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. I'm not doing it. Now I'll tell you this. It's interesting because even relating this to back back to my 
me establishing my business. Um, a while ago, I was at jury for, I think it was I was at jury for my french fries that you know, I never actually could bring to fruition because of the oil issue. And down there, there was a chef that was coming in to jury some items um, the same day I was. And he had a lot of food items. He had a lot of stuff. So he brought his little charcoal grill and he had, you know, just tons of different things. And, and I, I mean, he had way more to jury with. I mean, I had to actually go help him carry his stuff in um, because he had so much to carry. But there he was in his chef coat and his little hat um, out there cooking. And he made, I don't know how many items he made. I didn't really stay around for it. But he made all these things, and the food was delicious. It was absolutely delicious. And later on, they asked me, they said, um, we, the, the guy, Chef Josh, has a few questions about dealing with the Department of Agriculture, and we hope you don't mind we gave him your number. And I said, not a problem. I'd be glad to help him in any way possible. Now, again, this could be someone that's competing with my food. I don't pretend to be a chef. I'm just a big girl that likes to eat and likes to cook. So, um, you know, I, I can't really compare with a trained chef. Well, I found out a little bit more about Chef Josh, and uh, not to not to slam Chef Josh or anything like that. I don't I don't even know the guy's last name, but excuse me, I had to get some Cuban brew in me, Cuban brewed coffee, and so I um I actually ended up did did end up talking and having a conversation with Chef Josh to try to help him. But turns out he had had a restaurant in town. And it was one of those spaces where uh, it's, it's like a, almost like a shared space. In other words, he had the license for the restaurant and could provide the food, and someone else had the license for the bar and the liquor license. And he rent leased out that space and had his restaurant. And the restaurant was pretty good, I think. And um, he was the one cooking, and he was, uh, you know, in charge of everything and running the kitchen. And it wasn't... I don't even know this, the whole situation, but from what I understand, he did not get along with the person that had the liquor license for the bar. And so when it came time to renew the lease, they told him essentially with like no notice that uh, we're not renewing the lease for the restaurant part of this. We're just going to turn it all into a bar. Um, apparently the bar was a little more lucrative and a little more, um, you know, brought in a little more money. He was out of business with no notice, and he put his last dime of savings and last bit of money into making a food, having a food cart. And when I had talked to him, he was in the process of getting his licensing through the, you know, regular regulatory agency, and he was waiting. He'd already ordered his food cart, and he was waiting for it to arrive. And he, you know, I never did see him for a while, and then like two Saturdays ago, he showed up down there at the pier. It was his first night, and he had decided on making a lobster macaroni and cheese. And he showed up, and he didn't know how to turn on the gas, the grill, or the whatever the cooking mechanism was on his cart. He'd never used it before. He'd never even tested it. And so he showed up, and he didn't know what to do, and some people were like, oh, there's a new food vendor, and it's Chef Josh. Let's go try his food, but he wasn't ready. So he, he wasn't really prepared, and he um, didn't didn't really have any concept of time, you know, when it came to this. I mean, you really, you have two hours, essentially, down at, at sunset. And because he didn't really have a concept of time, he didn't get to sell some food to the people that were ready to eat at that point in time. So the night went on, 
and I don't know how he did. He was so far down the pier, I couldn't really even tell. Um, but of course, you know, for someone like me who's just a you know a hobbyist food person, that to see, you know have a real chef down there, it's kind of intimidating, right? Um, the end of the night, he came down and was talking to the lady in the booth next to me, and he actually had brought her um, an order of the lobster macaroni and cheese, and we she made me try it, and it was it was delicious. It was a delicious food, and. Um, we asked him how it's going. He's like, oh, well, you know, he sold a couple, you know, and he was selling like for $10 or something. And so um, he went away. And I said, I said, yeah, I know it's tough whenever you're first getting started and first getting your feet wet. And then we just kind of had a brief conversation about it. And then he went away. And I have not seen him come back down to the pier. And now for someone like me, <laughs> he keeps butting my head up against the wall and keeps trying and keeps reinventing and all that. I mean, don't get me wrong. Chef Josh has way more recipes than I have. He has a whole different skill set that I could not even imagine. Chef Josh has a much deeper skill set than I do in the kitchen and much more training. And if anyone could come back again and again with killer recipes and knock out food, it would be him. But for whatever reason, he doesn't have the courage or the fortitude or whatever it is to step out of his comfort zone and to go down night after night and risk being rejected and having your food not sell. And don't get me wrong, I feel like his skill set is much more suited to a kitchen and running a kitchen and, and all those sort of things. But being down there and being responsible for your own food on your own food cart is a completely different environment for him. And he has not showed up. I don't know what he's doing with his food cart. I haven't checked. It might be on Craigslist for sale or something like that. But um, there's just a difference. And that never give up, never say die, the quitters never win, winners never quit type attitude is something that entrepreneurs have. It might not be something that chefs have, or it might not be someone who's a restaurant owner, something that someone who's a restaurant owner has. Um, you know, it's just a different different mentality. And so I look at that, and I even look at some other people that are down there that are not doing well enough to make it in the long term, and they think the answer is to continue to raise their price for what they're providing. But you know what? If you're selling just a few things at one price, you're not going to be able to raise your price and sell even more. So um, they should be trying to reinvent. They should be trying to recreate. They should be trying to come up with something new, and they're not. So I can definitely see a different mindset between me and some of the other people down there. And with me, it is that never give up persistence. I'm going to keep staring, uh, you know, negativity and no and failure and rejection and all that in the face. And I'm going to eventually figure it out. I'm going to. Trust me. So another thing that this article says is different about entrepreneurs than other people is that they love failing. <laughs> now, I don't love failing. I, I don't say, oh, I can't wait to get up this morning and go fail. But there is a view of failing that entrepreneurs take differently. And I think Henry Ford said it best when he said, um, failure is simply the opportunity to begin again, and this time do it more intelligently. And so that's what I look at it as, is that it's an opportunity to say, okay, that didn't work, but maybe there are some things I can still salvage and tweak and do again and reinvent and re retune and reskill. And so those are the, that, you know, those are the things that entrepreneurs do. And that's why many successful businesses today 
are not out of business. They have adapted, and their business is something completely different than when it started. But then there are other businesses that open up. Like every every town has those spots, right? Those those specific buildings, whether it's a restaurant or a, a store or whatever, that nobody can survive in. And and it's almost like the curse of the building. But like you've seen, you know, twelve different people try a business in that location, and when it doesn't work, they just close the doors and move on and cut their losses and go. And the other type of entrepreneur that I am and that a lot of other successful people are are the type that say, I failed. What can I learn from that and how can I do something differently? And let me keep keep reinventing and keep trying again, but this time do it more intelligently. Fear of failure keeps most people from doing any entrepreneurial type endeavor. And uh, you've got to get over that fear of failing. You learn more when you fail than you do when you succeed. Let's face it, let's be honest. If I walked down to the pier my first night and everything that I put out turned to gold, <laughs> my podcast wouldn't have lasted very long, would it? Because what would I talk about every night, every day, sit there and tell you how wonderful I am and how much money I made and how successful I am? Where's the lesson in that, right? So you have to understand and view the failure in, in the proper form. Now, another thing that entrepreneurs do that other people don't do is that they find and fill a need in the world. I was fascinated yesterday when I read the, the headline for the article was 12-year-old, get this, 12-year-old runs a $150,000 a year business. Now, that's what I'm trying to do. Um, you know, I, the, there's no... <laughs> There's no headline when a 45-year-old runs a $150,000 a year business, but 12-year-old? And so I had to read the article. And the article was about this little boy in Memphis. And his name is Mosiah Turner, maybe? It was a common name for his last name. But this little guy, he was, an, he was, he was the cutest little guy ever. He kind of looked like um, the... the Urkel character for the TV show a, a while ago that was popular and he had his little glasses and he, the picture of him, he had these cute little bow ties well his business was called Moe's Bows and he loved dressing up he loved putting on ties he loved presenting himself in a way that was professional and polished at a young age and so by nine years old when he was going to look for bow ties, because that's what he insisted on wearing, he couldn't find ones in the store that were real. All the kids' bow ties were pre-made clip-ons, and they were terrible colors, you know, just like black and navy, and nothing exciting, nothing vibrant. And he wanted to make some his, his own bow ties so he could make them reflect his personality. So his grandmother had some fabric, and she had some vintage fabrics, and she showed him how to sew on, his, on the sewing machine a bow tie that would work for him. And so he started making his bow ties, and he wore them every day. So can you imagine this cute little kid as an eight- or nine-year-old going to school every day in a bow tie when every other kid's in jeans and a T-shirt? And this little boy was so compelling because that was his identity, and he loved those bow ties. And what he did when he couldn't find what he wanted in the store, he figured out a way to make them. And then before long, other people started saying, 
oh my gosh, I want to buy one of your bow ties. So he started selling them on Etsy, and he started selling them on Facebook, and he started selling them to everybody that knew. And he started his business at nine and called it Moe's Bows, which I think is adorable. And now he runs a $150,000 a year business. He's got grandma and mama and an aunt and somebody else that helps do the sewing but he now goes and picks out different fabrics and not just that but he uses sometimes he'll take old prom dresses and old um you know uh, formal attire that's like the taffeta and some of those shiny silky fabrics and uh, he'll turn those into a, a limited run of bow ties and so what a great thing for a kid. So here's this kid who does well in school. He's got his business that runs does $150,000 a year. He still gets in bed by 8.30 every night and gets up in the morning and goes to school every day. Now that kid is motivated and he has some very, very specific goals. He wants to have his own line of clothing by the time he's 20. And he will. He'll, he'll do it if he's already running a six-figure business at 12. Are you kidding me? But they entrepreneurs find a need in the world and they fill that need and that is exactly what that little mosiah did in memphis and so what a great example to all of us i mean if a nine or a 12 year old can do it certainly i can do it and so that's what you have to realize but you know, he doesn't have to uh pay a mortgage and he doesn't have the fear and he doesn't have all those other things holding him back all he knows is i can't find the bow ties i want so by god i'm gonna make them and our lives are like that what can we not find that we could fill the void? That could be the key to your entrepreneurial endeavor. Another thing entrepreneurs do differently is they take old ideas and they make them way, way better. Now, there's a quote, and the quote is by the CEO of, of Visa. And it says, the problem is never how to get new, innovative thoughts into your mind but how to get the old ones out. And I've heard again and again, if you really want to innovate and you really want to make your industry better, don't look at what everyone else in your industry is doing to make, you know, to innovate or to, uh, to change the industry because all you're going to be do doing is being stuck in the mold that's already there for your industry. Look at other industries. See what they're doing and borrow their, their ideas and completely disrupt your industry. So that's a great, great thing to do is look outside your industry and don't look to your industry to figure out what uh, what should be done to shake up the industry because it won't be. It'll just be rehashing and redoing the same thing everyone else is doing. The last thing, the last thing that entrepreneurs do differently than other people do, and if you really have the entrepreneurial mindset, you will do this. Above all, above anything else, they take action and that's what it takes and we talk about it all the time you know taking that today what action are you taking today what step are you taking today what thing are you doing today to ultimately propel you to the place you want it's a matter of stringing together a consistent uh, consecutive days of action and before you know it you will be exactly where you want to be so entrepreneurs execute and act when most people just talk about it. I have friends and they're like, oh my God, we come up with so many great ideas, but all we ever do is talk about it. And that they, you know, they say that they know themselves. They know they're, they're too comfortable in their jobs and their corporate jobs and in their, you know, in, in the money they're making and their savings and all that. They're too comfortable to do anything different. They have a ton of great ideas, but they know they're never going to do anything more than talk about them. Entrepreneurs act. 
And not just that, but every time an entrepreneur has a conversation with somebody else, they're looking for the idea and the action in those conversations to say, hey, I can borrow that or I can take it. I had a lunch on Sunday with some people that uh, gave me some great ideas. I went to jury on Monday morning and took some feedback that people gave me there, and I'm going to implement that. We act. We do what we need to do to get the job done. So it's way more than talking. It's way more than an idea. It's action. So my question to you is, what are you going to do today to actually take the action you need? It doesn't have to be huge. In fact, many times, huge action is overwhelming. So break down what you're trying to do into smaller steps. Um, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and the guy um, was talking about this. He was talking about micromanaging sections of an action. And, and an example was, you know, if you decide, okay, I'm going to start getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning, and I'm going to jog. I'm going to go for a run. I need to exercise, and that's whenever it's best time to do it. So the first day comes, and you set your alarm, and you hit snooze, you don't get up. And before you know it, I'll start tomorrow. And then before you know it, I'll start next week, and it never happens. And he said, so, so let's break down. If, if going for a jog is too big of a goal, let's break it down. And let's say for the first week, all you're going to do is you're going to hit the alarm, and you're going to get up, and you're going to put your jogging clothes on. And after you do that, you've accomplished your goal, so you can go back to bed if you want to. And then the second week, maybe you're going to get your goal is you're going to get up and you're going to put your clothes on and you're going to put your track shoes on. You're going to put your running shoes on. And once you've done that, you can go back to bed. And maybe the third week, you're going to say, okay, I'm going to set my alarm for six. I'm going to get up, put my clothes on, put my shoes on, and I'm going to walk out on the front porch. And once I do that, I've accomplished my goal and I can go back to bed. Now, what will eventually happen is as you get further and further down the line toward the ultimate goal of going for a jog, you will have already invested so much in waking up, putting your clothes on, putting your shoes on, getting out the door, that you say, well, I may as well do the rest of it anyway. And so you, you start to do this. So break down any huge goals that seem to be so overwhelming that you feel like you'll never get, uh, you know, get them accomplished. Break them out down into smaller chunks and, and eat, you know, eat the elephant one bite at a time. And before you know it, you will have found your way into action. So I hope it's been helpful to you to hear some of the things that um, the experts say that entrepreneurs do differently than other people do. And if you found yourself resonating and identifying with a lot of them, then you probably need to go ahead and start taking that action and start looking forward to failing and looking forward to putting your ideas and your spin out there so that you can get feedback and fail quickly and reiterate and do it again. So if you have questions, if you have things that I can help you with along your business journey, I will be more than happy to. I am in the trenches with you. Uh, starting a business and I don't know everything and I am learning more than I could have imagined in the last few months and uh, hopefully at the end of it I'll be able to look back and, and have some definite things that I can say here are uh, the things I know it will take to be successful and I can replicate it again and again and again and again in any business across uh, across the board. So that's what I, my goal is after this is all said and done uh, not just to have a business that uh, feeds me and pays my bills, but to also be able to have a, a set system that I know can be replicated and successful again and again and again, because then I can teach others how to do it and know 
that will continue to be successful. So thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to take action. And if you're having a problem determining what first, first action you need to take, get in touch with me. I'll help you sort it out, and we'll talk about it and figure out where you need to go from here. Listen, have a good day, and thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we build businesses all day long with no permits. Remember, local businesses are the backbone of our economy. So, whenever you have the opportunity, choose local. Local.